Hi, this is David Goldberg with Swoops, the revolutionary basketball simulation game filled with strategy, NFTs, and fun. I'm on the edge of NFT, the only strategy you need to have the most fun in Web3. Enjoy. Hey, NFT curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Swoops has taken simulated basketball to a whole new level using Web3 tech and some deep gaming expertise. And find out how our guest today started his entrepreneurial journey flipping Nike Air Max shoes. And find out how some companies like Howl.xyz and Gala continue to innovate while others like Recur have officially run out of steam. And yes, it's official. You can now dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with the Edge of AI podcast, the next great adventure launched by us at Edge of Company. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. You can subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow us on Twitter at edge of underscore AI and LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. You can also visit our new website, edgeofai.xyz. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features David Goldberg, one of the co-founders behind Swoops, the revolutionary basketball simulation game plus league that brings real ownership into play. Our guest David wears many hats. He's a founding partner of Alpaca VC, a venture capital firm that invests in the crossover of digital and physical realms. On top of that, he's driving force at Swoops, the next gen digital sports platform, redefining ownership, involvement in the world of virtual basketball and beyond. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a minute since we had a chance to get together. It's been, I guess, a season of basketball. Indeed. It was quite a fun time for our listeners. We had our own team, the Outer Edge Travelers, politely inspired by the Globetrotters. And we had a chance to play along for the first season. And it was a lot of fun. And there was some really stiff competition. It was also fun to like, pull our audience to get some names. And I'm sure that was something a lot of folks did, but we had like Avalanche Anthony and Chris Polytron and Tron Stockton on our team. And some of them were better than others, I will say. Yeah, it's a lot of fun from my perspective to see all the different owners and teams and groups come together. And some of it take it very seriously. Some of them have fun. There's kind of a role for everybody. Yeah, we had a blast. And it's funny, like as someone who kind of studied a little bit of statistics. And I'm not, to be honest, like a huge like basketball deep fan or whatever, but I love the technical side of thinking about all of this and thinking about how you model systems using math and programming. And it's, that's all behind the scenes, but it was really fun to think about all the love and care you guys put into making it cool from that respect. And so then we were, of course, getting this experience of owning, managing, coaching. Technically, we could have profited, I guess, we did our best. <laughs> but tell us how the project came to life and what the journey's been so far. It'd be very interesting to hear, like, where do you come up with this idea and how does it get started? Sure. So my background is that of an investor. For 10 years now, I've been a partner at a firm called Alpaca, where I invest in early stage technology. And one of the sectors I focus on is Web3. 
I think that's how I met y'all before Swoops was even around and looked to you guys for what's going on in the industry. And I was kind of always looking as part of my job for what's the next thing, right? And I think we all started off with PFPs and like, okay, what's next? Where's the utility? What scales here? Completely separately in my life, I've always been a big fan of sports, gaming, fantasy sports, and that whole intersection. I, like many others, realized at a pretty young age that professional sports, either as a player or in some kind of management, was likely not in the cards for me. And so I was relegated towards video games, fantasy sports, and what we call playing on the edge of sports and decision-making and ownership. And so I was always really looking for what the next thing was. I got really into DFS with DraftKings and FanDuel, and I felt that got old pretty quickly because it was a very like one-week experience. Then you just start over. Nothing carries over. There's no quote-unquote ownership. Fast forward to now my Web3 days where I've been spending now about two years and that, and all just kind of came together just felt there's an opportunity here to recreate and bring together my two passions around sports and gaming and how do NFTs and blockchain technology and the concept of ownership sort of change in the future. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. And the passion of sports, being able to weave that into this, I think is a really good intersection. And one of the things about that ownership that you were talking about that I think is really cool that you're tapping into is the open IP side of things. And you're able to craft unique brands and captivating narratives for both game, for in the game, in the team. So how are you continuing to evolve this open IP that you've created? I'll tell you what's pretty amazing is we don't have to do that much, right? Like my job is to give the tools and to give kind of the licenses and the freedom. And then our community does the rest. It's been pretty incredible to see how creative some of these folks are. I mean, they come up with obviously team names, player names, background stories, lore. There's a couple of designers in the community who have made a bunch of logos and decks that look like they're made by like top tier creative agencies with like jerseys and names and color palettes. And I believe yesterday, one of the teams announced, I think they were the fourth team to actually get a sponsorship for their team, which is pretty incredible. Now they're pretty small dollars today, but it shows the power of what we can do as a platform and what they can do with their assets. Wow, that's awesome. And I think we've learned that listening to the community is what it's all about. And that's where goodness happens. And you guys have evolved quite a bit. We'll get into some of that evolution from community feedback soon. But to start off, like you have over 500 owners. What are some of the early successes and memorable engagement moments for you? I'm sure there's been some fun stuff that's happened over the last few months that we'll love for you to share. Yeah. I mean, one, just from a metrics perspective, seeing from our first season to our second season, our retention, which was already pretty solid, went up about 250%, right? So we figured out all those little mechanics to get people to come back every day, every month, and then for the entire 13-week season. When I think about individual moments, ironically, our off-season, which is one week every 13 weeks, is our most popular week. Kind of like the NBA, the NFL, when you get the playoffs, the draft, the hot stove talk. For us, it's player evolution day, the rookie mint. That's probably, and not probably, definitely the most popular time for us. We live streamed our three-day Swooper Bowl, which is our 64-team tournament. There were $20,000 up for prizes. It was won by a team named Unchained Web. We live streamed three straight days, about 30 hours of streaming by two of our co-hosts. And watching people tune in for five, six, seven hours a day and watching teams that were not their own was a pretty incredible moment to us and realize we've moved beyond 
the single player game to a real community and a league and a sport. Cool. Now, were you allowed to play or were you rooting from the sidelines? I am not allowed to play in cash games. So I play along mostly just to participate in the community, see what they're seeing and to be able to make changes. But we are not allowed to buy or sell assets or participate in real money games. Makes sense. You don't want to be like Pete Rose. Exactly. It doesn't mean I don't have my favorites that I root for. It's kind of good because you just know the answer. Oh, no, I don't have to try to win. (laughs) Yeah, this is reminding me, we've been doing this podcast for quite a while now. We started back in March of 2021. And along the way, very early on, Josh and Jeff introduced me to their friends at Fan Controlled Football, which I think they call Fan Controlled Sports now. And that was so exciting to see what was going on there. I see a lot of overlaps, really fun stuff. What also was really fun and I was impressed by again is you guys were evolving with all this as we played the game from season one to season two. We had a chance on the podcast to check in basically every week with the new developments. So I want to hear more about that process, right? Of rapid implementation, of thinking about kind of ways to surprise and engage the fans and the users, maybe a little bit of the research process about what are people going to like? How do you know what comes next? But yeah, tell us a little bit about that. It must've been fun and maybe a little bit nerve wracking figuring out how to put new features in. A little bit of both for sure. So I'd say one, like this is kind of what I do, right? As a former entrepreneur and now as a VC, right? Like it's all about working very quickly, iterating, launching things, tracking with data and then optimizing. That being said, I could take very little of the credit for the rapid implementation of features and swoops, right? We have a technical CEO and an incredible product team that works really, really quickly. Like I think most in our community forget we launched on January 6th of 2023, right? So we're in our third season today and what the game looked like just seven months ago and what it looks like today is really night and day. And I'd say the two things that we do really well, one, we track everything with data, very granular, A-B testing, every feature, making sure that our decisions are not just gut-based, but really analytical and database. And two, this is also where the community comes in, right? I mean, they are so passionate, so smart. They're involved in other projects. They bring best practices and they have so much skin in the game where they come to us nonstop with ideas. So we see it on Twitter and Discord. We have a couple private channels of like our VIP owner group who have been with us from day one that we really look at for testing features, ideas, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's cool to see that evolution, but actually, Ethan, you had some more to add? Yeah. I don't want to like hog the conversation, but I'm just curious what kind of personalities, what kind of people are those kind of early folks? Are they your friends and family? Are they some like crazy data nerds, sports nerds? Where do those folks come from? What are their personalities like? They are all internet strangers, though I do feel like I know many of them in a weird way, even though I know their like Twitter name and their logo, and I couldn't tell you if they're 20 years old or 60 years old or anything in between. We actually curated the group very specifically to be a variety of all those different demographics that you spoke about, right? We need to be able to hit the diehard basketball fan who's going to call us out for, hey, there's something up with the simulation. Someone took a shot with only one second left when they were up, yada, yada, yada. We need the data nerd. We need the Web3 native. We need someone who doesn't know what crypto is so we can make sure that we're turning over every stones because ultimately for us to be successful, we can't just be a small niche basketball Web3 product. We have to go a little bit bigger than that. And so we need to think ahead of how to cater to those individuals. 
For sure. And as you mentioned, you, you launched at the beginning of this year. Your audience continues to grow each week. And through that, you've been getting a lot of feedback, a lot of different parts of the game mechanics that could be improved or pieces that could like make the gameplay faster or are different elements that get people wanting to come and play more and more. And in one of the product features that got brought up was the free to play. And so I know that's been something heavy on a lot of the team's mind of like implementing and bringing that. And you've now done that. So that's coming out soon. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and some of the mechanics behind it? Sure. That's a pretty big and exciting inflection point for us. And so the first call it seven months of our company was really focused on the core user, our 500 owners, making sure we really nail product and retention before we think about growth and acquisition. Again, to get to scale, ultimately, we need to think about growth. So to date, we have gated play by needing to own one of our player NFTs. The only two ways to get a player NFT is one, are seasonal mints, which are every 13 weeks, which really isn't the best way to learn and enter the game, or two, buy off of OpenSea, which also really isn't the best way, right? If I think about when I was a kid, if I never got to see or test out a gaming system or a game to then go and drop $50, $60 on it is a tough value proposition. And so now we're going to open up that gate and open up free to play so somebody can come in, test the game, see the community, get addicted, and then slowly and gradually get deeper and deeper into the game. And so the way that that works If you'll give me just a minute here, someone comes on, they go through a very quick tutorial, and they are given an off-chain player. And so they get to experience the game as if they own this player. They can name them. They get to understand the stats, the data. They put them in games and tournaments like everybody else. And then after a certain amount of time, it's basically a week's worth of playtime, they can upgrade that player from an off-chain player to an on-chain player which basically means now they have true ownership and agency over that player. That's the nuance of the innovation that I'm so impressed with because I, as a player, going through the process of managing our team, naming our team, playing a different game, seeing our team upgrade, you guys have thought about so many little details around like that onboarding experience. Like You could have done that 20 other ways, but you chose it to do it that way. Is there like a secret sort of gaming engineer that like has worked on a hundred games in your crew that came up with this idea? Or is this just a bunch of brainstorming? It's a little bit of both. So our VP of marketing hails, he spent about half of his 15 year career at Adidas. So he really understands sports and the other half at Ubisoft. So definitely has spent a lot of time in the gaming world. I think he worked on Assassin's Creed and a couple of others. He also worked at Sleeper, the fantasy sports app. He's definitely pushed us pretty hard into this world. And surprisingly, he is the one that comes with the least Web3 experience. And that's been super, super helpful as like a counter point of view to some of the Web3 enthusiasts like myself. So again, you really need to think about and put yourself in the shoes of your future customer, not just the first couple of core users that got you there. Yeah, that's a great segue to something I wanted to sort of get into, which is the macro perspective you have on where we're at with Web3 as an investor, as a builder in the space, a founder in the space, now with your own community, where do you see this current moment in time and how do you see Web3 evolving over the next few quarters? Yeah, it's no secret that we are in a bear market, right? And hopefully we're somewhere near the low. The way that I think about it is 
we had this really exciting false start, right? Everyone's excited about the prospects of blockchain technology and Web3 and what that could mean. But because of the excitement and because of a lot of those early abilities to make money, we kind of got ahead of our skis a little bit, right? And we were a small community that predominantly was focused on the financial returns, which is not the long-term scalable real solutions that we're here for. And so we kind of need to see our way through that, kind of churn out some of the folks that were here for the wrong reasons and get back to building things that are inspirational long-term and actually unlock things that we couldn't do without that technology. I don't know exactly where we are in that cycle. I think there's probably another one, maybe two quarters of a little bit of cleanup or two steps forward, one step back. But then give it a couple of quarters, and I think we'll be set up for a real bull run. And I don't just mean financially, but I mean in terms of seeing real builders and real innovation. You see that bull run happening under the sort of auspices of NFTs and Web3 from a localized level with like emerging projects like yours? Or do you see a lot more big brand collaborations and big brand dominance? Where I actually hope it comes from and where I think it will come from is more from like infrastructure and underlying technology, like starting to see real innovations beyond basic NFTs and PFPs and some of the base use cases, DeFi finance that we're seeing now, things that I don't really know about and I'm not really thinking of that will unlock dozens, hundreds, thousands of companies and projects that emanate from it. That being said, there will certainly be plenty of localized winners, though I personally don't think we're going to see another bull run in the PFP space. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just on that one point, we've seen this rise of friend tech over the last week or two. If you've missed it, you haven't been on Twitter recently, but it could be another version of BitCloud. We don't really know where it's going, but these things happen quickly and some of them just don't stop like ever. Axiefinity had a really long run and it catapulted so many different permutations of the industry. So to your point, these things happen when you least expect it. And it's that confluence of those types of projects that create a new paradigm for the industry. Yeah, I'm totally with you. My only concern with projects like FriendTech and Axie back in the day, the majority of people that you spoke to who are trying to explain what it is early on, it was about the money that they were making. And so their growth was fueled by speculators, which is fine if there's a long-term plan to transition to something real. But if that goes on for too long, we know what happens when that party stops and the party has to stop. And that's where we've been left with a lot of these projects that didn't really think about their second act. Yeah, where with Mochaverse, for example, they were just on the show. They're launching their first season of a new ecosystem game. And it's totally about having fun. It's not about sort of the financial side. It's great. So yeah, you made a comment about kind of the waves of popular trends, right, within this domain and PFPs being a part of it, and maybe an end of an era there. Of course, there's certain things that will stick around culturally. But tell us a little bit more about why you see utility, which you've baked in, you know, clearly as part of this, as really the essential element. You can play without anything being on chain, like you said. Why is that so important in the realm of gaming and elsewhere? So I'm going to take it from a different direction, right? Like I think gaming has inherent utility. Now, whether there are assets attached to the game as Web 2 or Web 3 is a little bit of a different question. When it comes from a basis of NFTs and assets, 
without utility, right, you're really only left with a couple different values. Like one, it's sort of just like pride, status symbols, collection. And I believe that's a pretty small market when you start narrowing it down to these niche communities and digital collectibles only. And you have entertainment, right? Which is pretty powerful, but also can only take you so far. And so I think we're really only scratching the surface of what actual utility means today. It's pretty basic of like, I can do something with this other than sell it to somebody else for more capital. And I'm super excited to really understand what that means and ideally how it connects to non-Web3 and digital world, right? Like what utility does it have potentially in the real world? That's what I'm excited to see. I agree. And kind of in that same vein of how do we bring all of these really cool elements of where gaming is going into the future, you've been kind of unpacking like the journey up to this point and things that are coming out and other stuff like that. But what does that next roadmap look like, right? You're about to turn a year in almost three more months, right? Which is crazy to think about like how quickly time is passing and how much you've grown. But I'm sure you have some really cool and exciting things on the horizon. So what are some that you can share with us and how are you continuing to build and elevate within Swoop's ecosystem into what will be 2024? That's a big question. I could spend a couple of hours on this as we do internally. I think the short version is we're looking for scale and structure. And what I mean by that is obviously we want to grow. But when I say structure, right now, there's sort of only one way to play the game. And that's as like a single owner, right? You own your team. You need the money for your assets. You need the time to play the games. You need the skill or the interest to understand it and to look at the data. The cross-section of people who have the ability and interest to do all of those things gets smaller and smaller. Just like real sports, those roles should ultimately get bifurcated. Maybe someone wants to be an owner and invest in the assets of a team. Maybe someone wants to be a GM and look at the skills and do the trading. Maybe someone wants to be a trainer, look at the analytics and help upgrading the player. So ultimately, I see each of those teams leveling up in size and impact and value and almost starting to look like a real sports franchise, an owner, a GM, multiple decision makers, a sponsor behind it. And that will allow us to build out what looks like more of like a traditional league. Yeah, I know I would much rather be the coach than like the offensive and defensive coordinator. That was, yeah, there's some things you're good at and some things you're not, but there's all these different elements of sports franchising, which is, by the way, like, I think has been one of the biggest streaming content booms out there is the behind the scenes of all these coaching experiences and in, in teams that's on Netflix, on ESPN Plus. I watch a lot of this content and it just makes me reflect on sort of the broader market that you're playing into. Oh, yeah. The viewership of games themselves have gone down exponentially, but the overall content and time spent watching has gone up exponentially because it's all those things that you're talking about. I think the days, like I think about my dad who would just sit on the couch and watch football for a couple of hours. Those are gone. Now you're on a second screen. You're on overtime. You're on house of highlights, watching your teams on fantasy. You're betting on every single play. You're making your own player on 2K. That's what we're tapping into. Well, we're really excited about your journey, David, and look forward to sort of getting those updates and continuing to upgrade our team as well. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better barbecued 
or deep fried. <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. At this point, what we'd really like to do is get to know you a little bit better and put you through our sort of version of Edge Quick Hitters. Sound good? Sure. All right. Edge Quick Hitters is a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There's going to be 10 questions, and we're looking for just a short, single word or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. So to kick things off, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Purchasing myself a video camera. I took my birthday money and bought this video camera that was like so giant that today your phone is 20 times more powerful. But you're a strong kid. You could at least pick it up. And, and, and <laughs> what, yeah. what, do you remember what you were videotaping? Everything at the time, literally every, I would just go around taping my family and conversations and stuff that I probably never even watched. That's cool. It sort of tells us a little bit more about yourself. That's interesting. Yeah. And what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? So in high school and then early college, I bought and sold dozens, if not more pairs of Air Max 95s. I would buy them from Asia and then sell them on eBay here. That was sort of my first entrepreneurial journey. Nice. Nice little arbitrage. Very cool. Yeah. Question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? I just bought yesterday a piece of luggage. It's not very exciting, but I have a trip to the Middle East coming up and I needed some new luggage. <laughs> hey, luggage as exciting as the places you're going to go. So the Middle East sounds fascinating. Hope you have a blast. Did you get a, like an exciting piece of luggage or just like that plain black one that you're going to confuse with everyone else's or i got a garment bag because okay. i'm going on a fundraising <laughs> trip and i'm going to put on a suit for the first time in a very long time all right nice maybe you'll have a little swoops sort of tie pin or something uh, all right question number four what's the most recent thing that you've sold i just signed a deal today to sell my car Okay, cool. Like signed a deal. That makes it sound like it's like with a... Not nearly that exciting. It's like <laughs> a lease. It's a lease buyout that AutoNation is offering me more money than my lease buyout. So I worked out the deals today and signed. And so next week, I'm going to buy off my car while I've already sold it. That question has been brought to you by... What is it? AutoNation? AutoNation. <laughs> AutoNation. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, here's another fun one for you. What is your most prized possession? Oh, man. Is it cheesy to say my kids? Like, that's what I do everything for. They're the most important. Yeah, never cheesy. Great answer. Can definitely understand it. But if you could buy anything in the world right now, digital, physical, service experience, et cetera, that's currently for sale, what would it be? 
Oh man, it would probably be like a giant boat that my whole family could live on for like a year and travel. I'm I'm a big fan of experiences. Ironically, I spend a lot of time in the digital realms, but I do a lot of it to then enjoy real world experiences. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Are we talking like Jeff Bezos' super yacht? Are we talking like a little somewhere in the middle? If I'm able to buy it, I'll go as big as I can. <laughs> awesome. I, I can't afford to fill it up with gas, but I'll just yeah. go on the boat. You have to include an infinite supply of fuel or something. Fill and help. I think the expectations are elevated when you live in Miami and all of our adventures over there. Like you see these super yachts that they don't have in LA and other parts of the US. Maybe you'll find some of those in the Middle East, but there's a lot of mega yachts in Miami for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, plenty of amenities for a long year abroad. All right. So if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Optimism. I'm a pretty happy, optimistic person. And I think it's just a great way to go through life and see the glass half full. I'm not sure about that. No, just kidding. (laughs) If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Oh, God, I'm going to sound like such a boomer here, though I'm technically not a boomer. I'm still a millennial. Entitlement. There is something about this generation that has a sense of entitlement. Yeah, I've got to say there's definitely like a group of founders now that I've talked to that won't hire folks in that sort of generation because of the concern about entitlement. It's like, I will say, like in the ambiguous sort of evolving landscape they were in, grit and flexibility and humility is so important, especially when it comes to the working world. So I appreciate that. Yep. Great call out. Optimism and entitlement. Yeah, I guess your optimism. If you're optimistic, you don't have to feel entitled. You're just kind of like, you know, you can handle it. All right. Next question, number nine. And the last one will be 10. What did you do just before joining us on this podcast? I actually just went for a walk. I've been stuck in my freezing air conditioned office here for like seven, eight hours. I'm like, I got 15 minutes. I'm just going to go walk around in the sun for 10 minutes. Tell me about it. Yeah. Walks. There's nothing like a good walk. Yep. All right. Final question on the flip side of that. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I am going home right from here and I'm going to make a barbecue for my kids. That is awesome. As a barbecue lover, I got to ask what kind of barbecue, like you're only going to put one thing on the grill. What are you putting on there? For me, tonight will be steaks. My specialty is making baby back ribs. Yes. We're friends now. I love ribs. (laughs) Got to bring that up. So we always like to finish with a, like a final last like bonus question. And earlier you brought up how you'd get your family a super yacht because you like the in-life experiences and events and whatnot. What has been your favorite trip of all time? So with my kids last summer, and my kids are young, they're six and four. So last summer they were five and three, but we took them for six weeks to Europe, including four weeks in Ibiza with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So they got an early lesson in culture and other things, which was great. It's awesome. <laughs> Did they hit some of those late night Ibiza parties? Not with them, but uh, (laughs) we did. Early morning, not late night, early morning. Early morning. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, David. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, 
where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. excited to have you participate in the next segment of the show, which is Hot Topics, where we're just going to cover some of the news of the day. And our first hot topic involves our friends at HAL XYZ. They are partnering with the NFT platform Fair XYZ to collaborate on brand initiatives for rising NFT artists. The company is also developing an AI communication tool to generate market insights, predictions, research with over 50 billion data points. Hall XYZ provides hands-on marketing with Fair offering strategic advice to Web3 artists. So really cool partnership that I'm excited about. And I know Ben and I have been working really hard on this. Any initial thoughts, Gus? Well, I, I just know that Hall has been such an incredible partner for us. And it's fun to do so many Twitter spaces with them ramping up to Outer Edge LA and kind of see their growth in that space. And they're just so multifaceted, what they're doing. I think I forgot the old brand. What was the original brand when we started working with them? Do you even remember? <laughs> they did a good I, I brand even, shift. I'm not even sure, but like that's a sign <laughs> of a good rebrand, right? Multiplied. Multiplied. Yeah, yeah, they did a great rebrand. And I think just encompassing the fact that when you would ask them, like, what's this all about? They do a lot in terms of they can be like almost like a PR firm. They can do promotion. They can do social things. They can do kind of almost supporting events and things like that. But really, they can do so much more. And this represents like exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I think they're evolving. We're evolving. We both have the XYZ at the end of our names now, which is fun. But what I'm really excited about is how they're also bringing AI in to the Web3 world to sort of create a level of additional transparency. Basically, with the co-founder for XYZ mentioned that they're going to see firsthand how Patrons judge artists for their work, floor prices, and social metrics. And the problem with that, of course, is less promotional artists offer suffer because their focus is more on creating and less championing their accomplishments. So this is going to, with this data, it's going to empower more artists to figure out how to win at Web3. Because in some regards, while it's been a level playing field on paper, 
there are handicaps in terms of artists that are more emerging and maybe don't focus on certain skill sets that Hall is trying to sort of amplify their work. So I think that's great. Yeah. And only other thing I'm going to add to it is I think they know how to put together a good plan for longevity for artists. A lot of artists comes out the gate, a lot of energy. Hey, I have this cool thing. I want to bring it to the world. But after the initial, hey, world, here I am, how do you sustain it? And how do you keep building and growing? And I think they have done a really good job with figuring out how to do sustained content and branding around how to keep that momentum going no matter what's going on. So shout out to Hal. Y'all have been awesome and uh, really great news for y'all. Yeah. David, any thoughts here? I mean, you probably know a lot of NFT artists in this space. Do you feel similarly that giving these artists more data is going to be helpful? Uh, that's an understatement. I mean, that I think I mentioned before, right? That's how we make all of our decisions and data is everything. We've all seen dozens of projects guess what their users want, put something out, fail miserably and realize with some data, some insights, some sentiment, they could have done a much better job. So to have those tools at the ready, it's a win for everybody. Well, well, we got another fun one. And this was actually news that we couldn't reveal on the show that's going to come out before this show because it was under embargo. But now we can talk about, which is that Gala is releasing NFT mystery boxes where gaming fun meets blockchain innovation. So many first-generation blockchain games were more concerned with crypto earning than providing a great gaming experience, similar to what we've been talking about on the show. In contrast, Gala Games is, with a proven history in the Web3 space, prioritizes fun and aims to address concerns about GameFi adoption. So what they've done here is they're going to give people greater control and offer tangible rewards that are sort of actually done more similarly to what a centralized platform would allow. So to put things in perspective, Fortune Business Insights estimates that the global gaming market size was valued at $250 billion in 2022 and will grow to $281 billion in 2023 and then $665 billion by 2030 in contrast to blockchain gaming. So basically, bottom line, guys, is they want to make blockchain gaming more fun with these mystery boxes. And they're really passionate about it. Jason, the CEO, was just on our show in the episode prior to this. So we definitely have a theme in the space, I think, around sort of going back to having fun again. I think COVID, we had a little bit of extra time on our hands. Maybe people lost their jobs or sort of were looking for ways to make more money and be speculative. Maybe this is a time where we go back to sort of that balance of work, life, and fun. What do you guys think? Totally. I mean, that's what games are made for. They're made for fun. If a small percentage can find a way to make money, that's a cherry on top, but that can't be the base purpose for the game. Richard's a gamer. What do you think, Richard? Yeah. I mean, when I think about going to play a game, I'm going to relax, enjoy myself, like come enamored in this new world and either be competitive or let it off steam or like just enjoy a different type of environment. If I'm going there to like make money or like to really like go and do that, it's a different mindset. It feels like work. It feels like something active. And although gaming can be like is active in, in some capacities, like I like the ability for it to be a an enjoyable experience in a way to kind of disconnect from our day to day. Right. So I think focusing more on the game itself and making it something that's really awesome. And then like, hey, if you do this thing, you also might make some money too. Cool. That should be the afterthought, not the forefront in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, any additional thoughts or should we move on to the next hot topic? Just what's in the boxes? 
I just want to, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> also, um, maybe just one more thing is what's the overlap with swoops? I guess, how are you? It's statistical, of course, right? That's the whole game, right? So every game is kind of a mystery box of how well are my players going to do? But how are you factoring in this type of surprise? We've got the whole idea of you get packs of cards and, you know, you can get a fun one in there and you guys are kind of along those lines, but anything you're cooking up or or ways that you think about integrating that kind of passion that people have for that, the surprise inside. Yeah, everyone loves a mystery and a surprise. I think for us, one, we've gone with the basis of all these different player profiles. So when you draft a player, you don't know what you're getting. And then you have to almost play them to slowly uncover and piece together the ultimate puzzle that is your player. Then it changes, right? It's sort of like Inception or whatever that other movie was where everything is sort of changing in real time. Just as you start to figure out that player, the season's over and they progress based on their DNA and their attributes. And now you have to kind of rejigger that puzzle and figure it out again. That's cool. cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, we want to give a well-rounded perspective on what's going on in this space. And there was some big news this week that NFT platform Recur has shut down despite raising $50 million and having some big name backers. The NFT startup Recur said on Friday that its Web3 platform is winding down, unable to weather the chills of crypto winter despite hosting the IP of several big brands like Hello Kitty and Nickelodeon. They're going to be sort of steadily winding down all their core features and sort of trying to be as transparent as possible with their audience. There's obviously a lot of assets on their platform and people have to make decisions around what to do. And this article does mention that last July, they embarked on a jet-setting NFT experience with Low Kitty and Friends, kind of striking at the ambition of Ricard. And there's certainly plenty of money splashing around. For me, guys, I'll just say uh, cash flow management is a key part of entrepreneurship. I've seen many examples of companies in all industries, technology, non-technology, not managing their burn rate, right? And this can happen very quickly if you're not paying attention to your burn rate. So I don't know to what extent that's the case versus a broader theme here. Obviously, Nifty's that also worked with some big brands shut down. I can't necessarily say that there's a strong correlation that big brands and Web3 don't work together. We've had Hennessy on the show and what they were doing is really cool. But certainly you can sort of hit the pedal to the metal too fast and burn out the engine pretty quickly. Those are my initial thoughts. Does anyone have any more insights on this one? Well, I mean, it's interesting if you go down in the article a little bit deeper, which is on Decrypt, at least the one we're looking at, they had names like Gary V, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, Ethereum co-founder Joe Lubin in their $5 million seed funding round earlier in the year that we mentioned. I think that the one of the points, again, like you said, Josh, there's just general operational things that happen with any startup. But then there's also like startups, you know, I mean, people have been talking about the Web3, blockchain, NFT being an echo of something like the dot-com boom or, or just even the internet coming online. And just by the nature of how these things work, there's going to be things that people got really excited about and that just didn't work. But I think that when you look at folks that know about investing, investing in them, right, they're, we're always taking a risk when we invest in something. Yeah. So... Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. I hear you. And I guess, David, like, are you that guy that's looking at the companies you're investing in saying, grow, 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 spend, spend, spend? 
No, quite the opposite, right? So this is a really hard time to spend because the market that you're catering to has gotten smaller, which means it's gotten more expensive. And so what you have is companies who are saying, I'm not growing fast enough. So now I'm spending more than I thought I would to try to maintain those growth rates. We've been encouraging my own company, as well as all of our Web3 companies, and even a lot of traditional Web2 companies right now, this is not the time to spend on heavy growth. This is the time to survive, extend your runway, and build really awesome product. So when the market turns around a little bit, you are set up for success. Some very prudent advice there, and I would 100% agree. Well, thanks for indulging us in that segment. You've definitely got some perspective. You should be a regular on our news segment. We might have to have you back sooner than you know it. But we'd like to sort of close out with our normal shout out section. This is where we give you a chance to give someone in your life a little bit of airtime and attention. Does anyone come to mind? Yeah, this one's an easy one for me. So I want to give a shout out to Manish Sinha. He is my co-founder. He's the CEO of Swoops. One, while I am often the voice and face of Swoops, he is the wizard behind the curtain who manages the entire engineering team and builds all those amazing features that you see. He was also recently in a motorcycle accident, and so he is recovering from surgery right now. And so best wishes to him from the entire Swoops family. Yes, from us as well and from our listeners. And what's Manisha's social handle on Twitter? It's something like arithmetic. I don't know the exact word. I got to look it up. And that tells you all you need to know about him. (laughs) There you go. We'll put it in the show notes. No worries there. This has been so much fun, David. And uh, we're just really delighted by your success with Swoop so far and the passion that you and the team is putting into making this a great experience for your audience. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on? Yeah, for me, you can find me either probably on Twitter as best. It's at David R. Goldberg, or my firm Alpaca is alpaca.vc. And of course, you can learn about Swoops at playswoops.com. Cool. And thanks in advance for your generosity to our audience. If you've been listening to the show and you really are excited about Swoops, you want to give it a shot. You don't have to play off chain because David and the Swoops team have generously offered up two packs of of starter packs. What's that all about? Yeah. And so we have players that age and evolve over time. And so they start off as rookies and then they age and get better and better as veterans. And so a starter pack for us is one rookie and one veteran to build the beginning of your team. There you go. Thanks so much. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure folks will enjoy having a chance to get into the action. Oh, hey, guys, we are about to roll out but we wanted to provide an update on our evolving show hosting situation. And I'll turn over to Ethan to provide a little bit of an update. Oh, yeah. It's always great to keep the listeners abreast of of everything that's going on. Folks might have noticed I've been a little bit behind the scenes during recent episodes. You might not always see me on every one. And officially, I'll be stepping back even further and won't be on the show for a while. There's a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes that I'll be participating in, including the launch of another podcast of ours, which hopefully you've been hearing of, the Edge of AI podcast. Make sure you go to edgeofai.xyz to check that out. That's been really fun building that and being a part of that. But yeah, just want to give you guys awareness about what's going on. You noticed that Richard's here and this also makes fun for him. I'll be getting out the popcorn and watching the show as he participates in developing this really cool platform moving forward. And it's also a great opportunity to say, you know, now that I'm behind the scenes, I'm, I'm there with so many other people that are there 
We got Audrey, Ethan, Zach, Shen, Jenny, all doing amazing work to make all this happen. And it wouldn't be here without them. And it won't be anything without me behind the scenes as well. So <laughs> thanks to everyone. Yeah, it's been so much fun, Ethan, hosting this show with you and benefiting from all your years of podcasting experience. This is my first podcast journey, but it's been a fast one, right? I mean, 300 episodes, I think we're close to at this point and a lot of great memories co-hosting different shows together. Definitely going to miss you front of the camera and excited about your evolving journey on the edge and excited to be working more closely with Richard as a co-host as well. Richard's got a ton of experience and it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. And I'm sure, Richard, we're going to have many adventures to come leading with our trip to Asia in a couple of weeks. For sure. And Ethan, man, you've been like awesome with the show. I know I've been behind the scenes, kind of like you said, and now I get to be more in the front, but definitely have enjoyed being on the show and especially our workouts too. Ethan is an absolute running champion and looking forward to you still being part of the community, but also happy to be hosting now. So thanks for everything, man. Yeah, man. Likewise, if you wear me out enough with your hit workout before we go for a run, then you'll be able to catch up and we'll be good. <laughs> so anyways, look out for the workout segment on Edge of NFT coming soon with workout advice from, from Richard. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like a workout video in, in the making during our trip to Asia. Richard's already warned me, we are not just going to networking events and doing interviews. There will be some heavyweight training involved in this trip. Nice. Oh, early mornings, baby. Let's get it. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thank you for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers. They'll make this journey also much better. How? Go to iTunes or Spotify right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces. Start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy.